You're listening to Lead On with Greg and Mark, brought to you by the Pennsylvania Association of Intermediate Units. Join us this season as we engage in conversations on leading on through times of complexity. Now for your hosts, Greg and Mark. Hello, Dr. Mark Hoffman. Dr. Gregory Coons. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You look great. Thank you. You have a glow about you. I do have a glow about me. All right. I should probably bring this music down. A little. A little. All right. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. You have like an aura. You you think? Yeah. Are we allowed to... Is it just the glow from my head? It might be the... (laughs) It might be. It looks like it's a freshly shaved head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Do you just so, use a regular razor like you use for your face? I, I do. I, and you know what? I told my wife, I save so much money yeah. I, I, on these uh, all the time. I save so much money that, you know, it, that we can afford other stuff. That's how the Coons's eat, you know? Yeah, during COVID, my wife started cutting my hair as, you know, she says she's not a barber, so she's not thrilled with the results. But I'm like, that's a lot of money we've saved over the last. Yeah, yeah exactly. I like my hair short. You know? I know, I know. Yeah, you're looking good as well. Well, thank you. Yeah. Speaking I, of looking good. Yes. The gentleman to your right. The gentleman. Looks this good. guy is like, yeah, he's dashing. That's probably the word I would use. Dashing. 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 Not yeah. like. Well, he, he's also glowing. Yeah, he but is. But you glowing. still have a nice full head of hair. Let, yeah. Let's give him the mic. We're All gonna right, have to I'm gonna so, turn this over. Yeah, we're gonna have we go. to. We're gonna have to share a microphone here. We got uh, Dr. George Fiore. George, welcome. Yeah, thank you, uh, Dr. Hoffman, Dr. Coons. Good to see you both. Yeah, you guys, both have a great, great aura today. Yeah, here we are. Well, it's 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 it's. Uh, it's good to be together, and, and, and we should explain why we're all sitting around the same table. Uh, Greg and I were setting up our podcast equipment, and George, you happened to walk by. I said, hey, we're doing a podcast. you want in? He goes, oh, yeah, sure. And no, no, sit down. He goes, really? <laughs> yeah, sit down, George. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take that in, invite for a microphone any day. Any, any day. We're at the PAIU annual conference. Uh, this is a collection of the, the finest educators in Pennsylvania. We come together once a year to celebrate the work that we do and to plan and collaborate and do lots of great things. So uh, that's where we're coming from. Greg is the party master extraordinaire. Not, 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 not that this is a party, but uh, you're really good at the social element of I, bringing people I love together. The, Greg. I love the social element. I, I, I honestly, I, we talk about relationships on this podcast all the time. And I, I just, I love people. I love, I love working with people, developing new relationships. And honestly, sometimes in that atmosphere, that's where you really make those connections. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, we should, we should spend some time talking about relationships. Okay. And I didn't yeah. want to talk okay. about feedback, but let's yeah. talk about relationships, yeah. okay. right? All right, yeah. Because I think we're all in the relationship business. Like, we're all executive directors here. George, you've been the executive right. director of Chester County Intermediate Unit for some time, leading that to new heights. Uh, prior to that, a superintendent. Prior to that, administrator and, and teacher. Um, similar career paths for, for us. Maybe not identical, but close enough. Can you talk about the power or the role of relationships in not only your current role as an executive director of an intermediate unit, but how relationships um, factored into your career? Yeah, it, um, Mark, I think you said it really well. We're in the relationship business. And if you're not putting the people we work with and for in the forefront, we'll never be successful. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I know that sounds um, you know, quite an oversimplification of what we do, but it is the core and heart of of what we do in education. So for, for me, you know, when I look at a career path, it's always been built on, you know, how do you serve other people? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what fills my cup. You know, I know it fills, you know, Greg just talked about that. You know, he's, he loves building relationships. Yeah. That's what fills my cup. And, and every day I can help a child have a better opportunity or access to something where I feel really good about that. But in order to do it really well, 
You have to build relationships with your staff. Yeah. You have to have a genuine care. And if you don't have that, I just don't think I would be sitting here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, it hasn't been perfect, but I have to tell you, it's uh, been quite rewarding uh, to, to focus on relationships first. Outcomes will come uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. I, there's like a, um, a relative, it's not new, but I, it's been sort of reemerged this idea of like authentic leadership, mm-hmm. like being your true self. I hear that in what you're saying, like actually caring about your folks. And if you don't authentically or actually care about people, uh, I don't, I believe it's transparent to the folks that are watching and the, and the folks that you're leading. And I don't think they buy it. What do you think, Greg? Sorry so, about the mic. Yeah, so no problem. So, uh, you know, I truly believe that. And I, I, as a leader, I have to know the person as a person before them as a leader. Yeah. And before I can truly work with them, um, I got to tell you, we've had some of my staff have been going through some some really, really major stuff. Sure. With uh, maybe some sickness in the family, things like that. My first question to them is not about what task they're doing that day. It's about their family. How's your husband? How, how's your wife doing? Like, and, and the kids, you know, everybody, they're people. So, so they're, they have, there's, there's this whole personal side to them. Unless I connect there, I can't connect them to them truly as a leader. Yeah, so where do you think that comes from? If the three of us all believe that that's like a moral compass for, for us that we follow, uh, it has to mean that others don't follow it, right? And, and so like, where do you think it came from for you, George? Did you have um, a mentor that was that way? Is it something that you learned um, by watching others or is it just something that you believe is just like internal to you? Yeah, it, it's two ways. One, just having a great family structure. You know, yeah. my parents and I have my brother and my sister all in education at some point in their careers. Um, they always instilled in us, if you're going to be successful, you have to do it the right way. You know, you can be really successful, make a lot of money and be a really bad person. Mm-hmm. You know, how you treat, that is not what, you know, was my home. In fact, um, I'm still afraid if my parents would hear that I mistreated someone, uh, I'd run pretty fast from them. Yeah, my mom's 4'11", yeah. but she might as well be 6'10". Yeah, I understand that, right? Like, it's, it's like amazing, like that idea, like, what if my mom found out? even as an adult, like that was something that haunted me as a kid. And not that my mom uh, ruled with an iron fist. It was that I didn't want to disappoint her because she didn't rule with an iron fist, right? Like I didn't want to disappoint my mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I feel the same way. Isn't it so interesting? You go back to, you know, it starts with the family, the home and your education, but that's what we do now because for a lot of our families, we, we are, when their kids come to us, we're with them more than they are with their mom, dad, or guardian. Mm-hmm. So that is a heavy weight to carry. So we have to treat people super well, uh, make sure our staff's there, as Greg said. You know, you got to care about them first yeah. before they can get in front and teach and you know be a, be a support, the bus drivers, you name it. Everyone is important in doing that. But sometimes that gets lost. You know, we've seen we've seen that in the last uh, you know several years with COVID. People are struggling. So we all have a lot of employees. I know folks that listen to this, either they have large teams, small teams, doesn't matter. And we want to be authentic, right, um, in how we communicate our value that we hold for others. So what are some strategies that the three of us use to communicate authentic appreciation and gratitude? And, and how do we authentically communicate the value that we have in the relationships? And how do we build those, knowing that there's so many folks that we're interacting with and we don't want to be short with them? And we don't want to be perceived as insincere. So what are the things that we're doing? So Greg, I mean, so, like, what, so what, I think, what do you do? I think it starts with us. I think it starts with you as a leader. Yeah. You need to set the stage and you need to be able to say to your team, this is what I'm about. Yeah. I have a wife. I, I have a great wife, three healthy kids. This is what's going on with me. 
and them to know that I'm just like them. If, if one of my kids is not doing well, I let them know about it. And like, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? And I think there's, with that becomes buy-in and then it opens them up to opening up to, to us as well. So you're saying like it starts with you being transparent? Me being transparent and sharing about what personally, what I, you know, what, what, what happens with me. Was that hard for you at first when you're in a leadership position to be transparent and open about your personal life? In, there, in a, in, I it, mean that in a professional it way. It is, especially with new new staff, new administrators, because you're guarded, right? I mean, you, you don't, it, it's, it takes some time to develop a relationship and then to open up a little bit more. Yeah, George, how yeah. about you? What are some of the things that you do knowing that you've got a large team? Yeah, and you want. To, I think you want to have relationships with everybody, but team is so possible, big, right? right? So, how do you do it in an authentic way? So, one of the things that was a big realization. So, I came from a small district to a very large organization, Chester County IU. So, I, I knew everyone in the district where I was superintendent. So, coming here, where we have so many staff members, the strategy that that we collectively came to, you know, mm-hmm. as a team, is. All of us from administration supervisors need to have the same mission and vision in mind. And that means we're going to treat people really well. Mm -hmm. We're going to put the kids first. And if you communicate that over and over again through everyone in our line, you know, from, from our super, you know, in our superintendent meetings to our support staff to our teaching staff, that's how you carry that forward because it's impossible to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes as a young leader, we wanted to do that. I know I did. I'm like, I'm going to be everything to everyone. And then you fall pretty quickly because she can. You're not going to get to every you know uh, kids event. You're not going to get to every classroom because teachers want you to come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, parents see it too. I think that's the one thing that that is critical. Parents feel when you're authentic, and that means from whether you're the executive director, you're a director of student services, you're a classroom teacher, you're in a support staff role. They know when you care about them. And that impacts everything because that's what trust is built on. And they trust us with their most important part of their life, their kids. Yeah, it's their most cherished, uh, the most cherished thing that they've ever, uh, in their life, right? That they've ever, just that relationship between a child and their their parent or their guardian. You're right, they're with us more in, on some days, it feels like, than they are uh, at home. It, And I think that's why we have to hire well. Right. I, I was thinking oh, about so important. all the things that you guys said. I'm thinking like, what else would I add in terms of how do you communicate your authentic self to your group, knowing that there's a large group and you can't be everywhere at all times? One, I think there has to be um, this this intentionality in who we hire and, and finding people who share our values, but who also bring diversity of thought and diversity of presence to the team. So you don't want an army of people like you, but you want an army of people who um, share the mission. I think you said that as well but who also are ambassadors for what you're about. Uh, if someone is sort of counter-cultural uh, in, in, in the sense that they don't value what you as an organization values, um, you're going to have problems and you're going to have conflicts. And then there's going to be confusion among the ranks of what does this organization value? I hear the CEO saying one thing and I hear my boss saying something entirely different. Which one is it? And so I, I think there's some importance there. So Mark, let's take a little step back. So yeah. you mentioned about hiring great employees. That, it starts that, that, there, right? They're right your there. most important asset. So, so let's talk, what are some good tips for our listeners on this whole interview process? What, what would you do to make sure that they they're buy into your culture sure, and that they don't disrupt what the good thing you have going with your team? Well, yeah. Go ahead, George. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this actually is, I believe one of the most important things that we do is hiring. Um, I believe in behavioral interviewing. You know, we have to put people in situations and scenarios and see how they react or how, how have they reacted in the past and see if there's any reflection in there. 
I recommend, um, you know, looking beyond a resume. That's just not enough. I agree. It's, it's just not enough anymore, especially with, with a thin market. Just use some, just a data point in Pennsylvania. I believe we're short about 100,000 employees for the, for the demand. I believe it. So in all, that's every sector. That's not saying that they're all qualified. So that means we have to be really shrewd during the interview process, and it should be something that you're going to, you know, we use a battery of assessments for admin. Mm-hmm. When we're going for an admin uh, position, we have them go through a temperament inventory. We want to know what their buttons are. Do they share the same mission and vision that we have in the organization? Do they care about kids and people? So the behavioral interviewing, I, I, I think it's great. I mean, you, you, can, you can find out pretty quickly if someone's going to handle it in accordance with the culture of your organization or where you want to be in the future with your organization. Sure. So it, ser- it serves us well. But it's going to keep getting harder. I think we do have to recognize it's going to be really tough because there's not a lot of applicants anymore. And that goes back to the topic at hand, which is relationships. If you're not hiring well and if you're not identifying those traits that you're looking for in those inventories that you're conducting with your or your pre-assessments, then inevitably you're going to introduce, uh, there's a greater likelihood you're introducing people into your culture and into your team that, again, are counter to the values that you have and your relationships will suffer. Right, the the internal the internal conflict takes so much of our time as leaders in any organization, and so if you're not finding people that fit together well, all in service to your mission, you're going to spend a lot of time as a leader navigating personnel related issues or conflict related issues instead of focusing on growing the programs, uh, generating revenue that supports growth to support your constituents in our cases, kids. So, George, I just want you to step back a second. You talked about behavioral interviews. Like, I, what does that mean for our listeners? Like, what does it look like? Can you give us, a, like, a scenario or what it would be? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> There's two points I'll make uh, when we talk about behavioral interviewing. Um, so, I'll, I'll come up with a scenario. You know, tell, tell us about a, a situation where you were, had a conflict with a parent. What did that look like? And now, in reflection, what would you do differently or continue doing, right. you know, basically trying to push that there. Um, and we have several, several of those in a row, you know, it, it, it's work. You can watch a person having to dig deep into their memory about, Oh, you know, did I have conflict with, with parents? Sure. Did you have conflict with an administrator? Probably. So how did you react to it? Because the reaction is very telling to all of us. Yeah, because conflict is normal. It, that's right. Conflict's okay. Conflict's okay. It's to be expected. And um, if it's not happening, then um, things aren't being said. Oh, sure. Work's not being done. It, you know, there's, there's some other things in interviewing that I think we, we have to accept. One is, if you don't have a work ethic before you interview with us, you're probably not going to get one. No. You know, we have to, when we, we interview folks... And, and I sit with our team. I'm like, what makes us think this person's going to do a total transformation? You know, if we're looking for someone with yeah. a strong work ethic yeah. and, and they don't demonstrate or have not demonstrated in their past, that, that is not a hireable uh, person for us. No. And I think we all know that. But also past success. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what was, you know, you ask people, what was your greatest success? You know, that's a great, I, I love asking that question. Mm-hmm. And then when they tell you what their great success is, it goes back to, I mean, that's an old interview question if you think about from the 70s. But basically, where where do they start? Is it about themselves? Is it about the kids they serve? The team they're on? The team, yeah. So you get a lot of insight in what they value. Sure. So I find that to be a a lot of fun. And, and, you know, knowing that not everyone's perfect. No. So. Well, you know, I was thinking, um, 
you know, we're, we're talking about relationships and we're talking about now identifying people that will foster positive relationships. And the question that sort of prompted us to go down this road was how, as leaders of large organizations or large teams, do you navigate having authentic relationships with people? And I think where we started on this one was identifying the right people on your team so that you don't have to be everywhere all the time, but you know that the people who are there all the time are people who are representing your core mission. They're your ambassadors. At, at, at our intermediate unit, we talk about advocacy and ambassadorship all the time. And that's what I want embodied in my folks. I don't care about their technical skills. I care about whether or not they exhibit uh, an advocacy for the kids that we serve and the mission that we have and whether they're ambassadors for the work that we do. But I was also thinking um, to take it in a different direction, intentionality. So if you oh, can't be everywhere yep. all the time, you can be somewhere some of the time. or you know, You're going to be somewhere all of the time, but you can't be everywhere all the time. So how intentional, um, the importance of being intentional in scheduling yes. where you're going to be. Because if you don't have that, at least I know this is for me. If I don't put that on my calendar that I want to go to this place, that place, be with this person, meet with that. Uh, sometimes the monotony of the paperwork or like the lore of the office, um, I, I feel like that can be uh, overwhelming. And so I know if I put like, I'm going to visit these classrooms on this date or meet with this board member or this superintendent or this supervisor or go to this community event. I'm going to do it. So I've learned that that's a trick for me that works, this intentionality of being somewhere some of the time because the word spreads that you're visible. And I, th I don't think that anybody has the unreasonable expectation that you're everywhere all the time. But as long as you're somewhere all the time, right? Right. What right. do you think about that, Greg? So I, I love that you said the intentionality because that's something I've been really working on the last year. And I think it starts with you and your regular routines too. Right, so, so, so Mark, so, you, yeah, so you, you talked about the work situation. I started with like going to the gym. Okay. Right, and it's an old thing. Okay, you got to schedule time to go to the gym. I do. I just need it there, so I actually put that on my calendar when I go to the gym Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, Thursday mornings. Um, like you said, though, that translates to work. The more you can do that in your personal life, the more it translates to work, and then you get into those classes and you, you put it in your calendar. I'm going to visit this the life skills class this day, or whatever it may be, mm -hmm. or this teacher, or this administrator. If you don't do that, just time passes, and, and you'll never you'll never do it. Right, and that's where the relationships are formed. Right. Go ahead, George. What yeah, are you thinking I, about this intentionality piece? If you want to see where someone's priorities are, look at their calendar. Yeah. You know, if, if you want to be in classrooms, as you say, do it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a strong believer in not, um, the work day needs to be spent with your people. So most of my days are in meetings or with, you know, in classrooms. That's what it should look like. That's my, my personal approach to it because that's where I'm putting my value. The challenge with that, though, there is, I think we all feel it. Those emails are backing up. Mm -hmm. You know, they're sitting there. Yeah. There's phone calls you got to make. So, you know, that, that's, that's tough if you're a, 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 a young leader yeah. trying to manage it all. So you have to come up with a system. But if you, if you don't put it in your calendar, it's not going to happen. And number two, where are your priorities? Yeah. You, just, you can do an audit. You know, it's, it's actually an interview question we ask. It's like, so tell us about your week. Yeah. What did you do this week? What's the, what's the most important activity you have on your calendar that you're most looking forward to? So when you start to hear what, what, what that is, uh, you can really get to the heart of what's important. But you have to be intentional. I, I tell you what, it's hard. It's, it's not easy to, to, to get to be somewhere at any point in your day because someone grabs you. Yeah. I mean, how many times the three of us, someone oh. in the hallway goes, hey, you have got a minute? Yeah, of <laughs> or how many times do you have to decline a phone call because Never you're already minute. engaged in something and then you got a call. And, but, but I thrive on that. I love that. So we're talking about intentionality here. We've talked about hiring well. And yes. we've also talked about how all of that relates to the importance of relationships and what we do. Um, I'm thinking um, one sort of like final 
strand on this, the importance of relationships. And George, you just teased it up perfectly, how we communicate. Right. You mentioned like the, the, the overwhelmingness that emails can create, this, this idea that the inbox never sleeps. I'm wondering, back to intentionality, yes. with this idea of relationships. Are, I, I always say to myself, relationships aren't built around or through email. Right. Phone calls, in-person meetings, right? That's right. Uh, I, I, I don't know that anybody that I communicate with through email exclusively is someone that I would consider that I'd have a close relationship with. Or uh, when there's something that I need or a favor or a question or a concern that I want to raise or a concern that's been raised to me that I need to respond to, I, I don't do that through email. And I know that for many people, that's the default. And I would just ur- urge everybody, fight the urge to send an email. Pick up the phone. I mean, how is this resonating uh, oh, with you? It, absolutely. The interpersonal communication. Uh, email is, is static, right? E- email's black and white, and it comes back. I, I'm guilty of this. I'm too responsive sometimes on email. Like, I'm responding to an email like a minute after it's sent to me. That's, that's not good. And I think, you know, people need to know that there's time taken to process whatever the question, the task, whatever it is. I, I crave that interpersonal. And I have to tell you, the pandemic, I know we talk about that a lot. I, I couldn't stand being locked locked away. Mm-hmm. You know, I needed the, the people. I needed to face the face-to-face. I couldn't wait to get back to the office and to work with our our staff again on our team. Yeah. George, well, talk about this. Power relationships and then the mode of communication yeah, for I, you personally. So I'm going to take a, a different tilt on, on what please. both you guys yeah, said. Please. Because uh, I agree. Never should you send an email. We're going to out of anger or there's conflict. Right, it's better to pick up phone every time. Every time, it, there it, there isn't an instance where you feel good saying, "I," you know, you're pounding on those keys, yeah, delete that message, right? Um, but but there is the power of the email communication. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. Leverage it is is one of the things. So we have a we talk about a 24 to 48 hour rule in response to any email because the, the, some of the data says that people what they're expecting your response time is less than one hour on an email. Wow. Which is really difficult. I mean, that is that is a difficult bar. So you have to be. Um, I see it as a tool of communication this way. People are counting on us for information, and some don't move until they hear from us. Understood. So I feel that as like a weight on my shoulders, um, and I do respond as quick as I can. Like I'm walking in the hallway, and I'm like, "Oh, someone just emailed." But you have to be thoughtful. See, I think that's the point you were making, Greg. Like you have to really think through. It's not yes, no answers. You know, if someone's writing you a quite a long email about a problem they're having, mm-hmm. picking up the phone's a great idea. Stopping by is great. But sometimes it's not possible. You, gotta be, you, you have to respond because that's what they need. Of course. There's other modes, though, right? Uh, we use social media because we can't get to everyone in our organization. So you got LinkedIn, you got Facebook, you got, you got all those th- modes. But you have to have a strategy. That's, I guess, the biggest point of it. If you don't have a strategy on communication, you're going to get sunk quickly. But if you don't care about your people, it doesn't matter about email. doesn't matter about all the other yeah, that things. email, it ain't going to matter. Right? <laughs> no, you yeah. got to care about people. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we're here at, a, yes. at an event where we're celebrating our partnerships. We and sure our, are. And, and the ways that we collaborate and work together. Uh, we're celebrating innovation. We're celebrating all the things that are, are going well, and we're planning to make improvements in other areas. And George, we appreciate you stopping by, sharing some wisdom as we talked about the power relationships and just these different lenses, right? Like this this idea of intentionality, this idea of hiring, this idea of modes of communication. And 
Uh, I always learn so much when, when we all get together and talk. So George, thanks for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, and, so, uh, and I, go ahead, Greg. So we're, we're struggling with one microphone here. Go ahead, Greg. <laughs> so um, I, I just want to, again, thank our listeners. Um, I would encourage you, if you can share about our podcast out there, we're really trying to, to stretch out. We said beyond PA. Um, to really get get out there, so please, if you could just share it, maybe text text the link to your friends, um, and encourage them to listen to this. We really appreciate all of our followers. Um, well, in the in the meantime, again, thanks for listening. Let's make it a great day and innovate the USA.